Welcome, New Life Manitou. We're so glad you came to worship with us this morning. Would you all stand with me? The scripture says in the book of Proverbs that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and those who run to it are safe. So let's run to the Lord in desperation this morning as we worship together. Amen? All right, let's go.
decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No take this moment, Lord, we fix our eyes on you. And again, we just commit our way to the Lord. We will trust you, God, because you are sovereign over all, God. You reign. You are above all things, God. You reign over all things. You have all power, all majesty, all might in your hands, and you are good, and you are kind, and you are loving. And you see us, God, you know us because you formed us together in our mother's womb. You knit us together and you have called us. You've set us apart. And so, God, we will not draw back in fear amongst the confusion and the chaos in the world, God, that is around us. And even in the chaos that's in our own personal world, in our own personal lives, we will say we will not fear. We will stand firm because our God goes before us. Our God fights for us. You are over it all. And so we're just going to declare that this morning. We thank you, Jesus.
Lamentations 3, 22 through 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Friends, in this offering moment and this Thanksgiving week, I know that a lot of us can come into this week trying to be excited, trying to be hopeful, trying to be encouraged, um, but sometimes it can be tough. But what I love about our faith, what I love about the gospel, is that things can be difficult or things can be hard, but we can always trust in God's faithfulness to us. And we can always trust that the Lord is the one who is our portion. I'm, you know, we're going through the first King series. And I love the story of how God feeds Elijah at the brook with the ravens. And he drinks the water from the brook, the ravens feed him. And I don't know exactly how many days that went on, but I love that it wasn't just a big moment that God came through for Elijah. It was the day in, day out, twice a day, steadfast faithfulness of God. And that is the God that I love. It's yes, God can help us in these big moments and there are miracles that happen and all of that. But there is something about God's faithfulness, something about his steadfast love that never ceases, something about him being our portion, where it's day in and day out, in the pain, in the circumstances that are tough, in the things that we are trying to figure out, we can trust that God is overall, that God is sovereign in the midst of whatever we're going through. So as we give and continue to worship, there are four ways to give on your phone, online, snail mail, baskets are around here somewhere. But as we do, let's celebrate and thank God for his faithfulness. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you, God, that as we give of our worship, as we give financially, as we give of ourselves, we are responding to your faithfulness to us. So Lord, for my friends here, in the midst of whatever they're going through, whether they're excited about this week or kind of nervous or whether it's just another week that will go by, Lord, I thank you that we do not have to um, build ourselves up. We do not have to go through life on our own. We get to rely on you and your steadfast love, your sovereignty and your faithfulness. So Lord, receive us in all that we bring, in our joy, in our pain, in our brokenness. Fill us with your hope as we worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, let's continue to worship as we give. Over the city, Jesus, over the streets, King Jesus, over the nations, Jesus, over the earth, King Jesus. Sing that again, sing it strong.
Lord, thank you for giving us a song to sing in the dark. Thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. Lord, renew our hope with the truth this morning. Let it be louder than our circumstances that Lord, you reign, that you are a good king and you are still on your throne, sovereign over all. We love you and we worship you. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. We're gonna continue our worship in a time of listening to the word. I'm gonna dismiss the kids to go ahead to their classes. The rest of you turn and greet one another, especially someone you don't know yet. We'll be right back up here with the word in just a moment. Thank you. Good morning, New Life Manitou Springs. Good morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Are you guys good today? Are you happy? If you're not happy, today is a message where I'm going to explain to you that you don't have to be happy to be in church. In fact, sometimes I, if I'm not in a very happy mood and the pastor's like, are you happy? Are you glad to be in church? Is everybody smiling? It makes me just want to kick them in the shin. And I give you permission. If, you, if, if you're in here and I'm ever like, hey, you need to be happy. You're in church. You could just maybe gently kick me in the shin and remind me that not everyone in the Bible is happy. Not all situations we go through are happy ones, but there is a joy in our hearts, and God is sovereign, and God is with us. I'll give you the title for today's message. The title is God is with us in the highs and lows. Before we turn to the word of God this morning, uh, I'll, I'll just announce, we, we kind of do something silly. We've been doing this silly thing. Uh, it's honoring 
but it's silly. But we, I think we did this like back in day one when we launched New Life Manitou years and years ago, I used to get little rocks, just like rocks. And I would give them to people and say, you rock. And I would hand them a rock. And so every week, uh, if you're part of our volunteer team, people, uh, we used to have a meeting before church and we talk, we kind of run through and, and pray for each other. And I often, almost all every Sunday, I hand someone a rock and I say, you rock. And, and I, I assume like if you're just in the congregation, you don't know that we do this little silly thing. But I thought I would let you know. And I have a you rock to give. And I want to give it to Jordan Lewis. You rock. Um, she really does. You rock. Uh, and and she, she did her offering moment today. She's preaching next week. And she had the audacity, audacity to thank me. Say, thank you for giving me the opportunity. It's like, are you kidding me? We would love to have you preach. And she's a great preacher. She's a woman of God. And, and so she'll be preaching next week. And so come, preach, uh, shout her down. And, and so it'll be a great Sunday next week. But you do. You rock. So God bless you. Uh, would you open your Bibles to First uh, Kings chapter 19? First Kings chapter 19. We're going to do something a little different today. I'm going to give you the, the backstory to this uh, passage of Scripture. Then I'm going to kind of re-talk about the title. And then we're going to read a huge chunk of Scripture. And then we will stand for a section of Scripture. You might be familiar with this section of Scripture where the Lord speaks to Elijah in the still, small voice. Do you know that passage? That's our passage that we're going to read and stand and concentrate on. But to get to that passage, I think I need to explain what happened before this passage, and then we'll read uh, the context leading up to that passage. So um, last week, we shared uh, the story, and I, I said this pretty pretty bluntly. I said, this is the best story in the Bible. Were you here last Sunday? Anybody here last Sunday? few of you were. And I said, this is, as far as like dramatic tellings of narrative and story, this is the best story in the Bible. And I said, that's my opinion. You could disagree. Maybe some of you disagree, but that's okay. It's the story of when Elijah calls this meeting on Mount Carmel. And uh, he, he's up there with 450 prophets of Baal, and it's him on the other side, and the prophets of Baal are calling down and asking their God, the God of Baal, to send fire, and Elijah prays, and guess whose God answers? Elijah's God, God of Yahweh, the, 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 the God of the Old Testament, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that's what I meant to say. Yahweh himself sends fire to Elijah's altar. Everybody falls down. Do you remember what they say? The Lord, he is God. And, and it's this dramatic, I mean, talk about like a best day. Doesn't that sound like the best day ever? Like if you're Elijah, and then, so not only does he win the battle, he also wins the war. Like this is a darker side of that story, but the 450 prophets of Baal, they are put to death. And then it starts raining, which is a good thing because there had been a drought in the land. So talk about like good day on top of winning the battle, top of winning the war. Now it's raining and God is ending this famine and this drought. And then what's more, it's like this little sentence at the end of chapter 18. It says, Elijah tucked in his cloak and he ran to the capital Jezreel and he beats 
the chariot that the king was riding in. Did you, just, did you ever notice that part? It's like a tiny little verse. It's like, what a great day. He wins the battle, wins the war. It starts raining, God's provision. Then just like on top of it, a chariot on top, he is able to run and beat a chariot about 30 miles away to the capital. So that's the, that's the preface of, of like what this story is gonna take us. And so Elijah has the best day ever. Can you think of a really good day in your life? I was talking to Erica. We were talking about good days in our life. And I said, um, I said the day we got married, that was a pretty good day. It was a great day. Uh, each day that uh, all four of our boys were born, those were great days. We were, we were talking about ministry this last week. And uh, a couple years ago, I was on a mission trip in the Congo. And I, we were called to this village to preach. And I got to preach. Oh, Joe, you're a preacher. You should preach. And I had a translator preach just a, just a very simple message. And out of the 100 people gathered there in this remote little village, a whole bunch of them, maybe the majority of them, raised their hand and came forward for an altar call, like wanting to give their lives to the Lord. And I just thought, wow, God, you are so good. What a great day. As a kid, I remember this great day. Uh, my parents who were here, they got me up as if it was for school. Me and my brother put us in a car and said, we're not going to school. We're gonna go to a theme park, Enchanted Forest. Remember that day? And they surprised us. It was, it was upstate New York, this little theme park. And it was wonderful. It was just one of those days as a kid. You're like, wow, this is the best day ever. Elijah has one of those best day ever's. And then Guess what happens? It all shifts. I think it's like a day or two later. The story doesn't really say the timeline here, but it could be like the very next day this passage happens. So would you turn, like I said, to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're gonna start in verse one. I'm gonna remind you that the title is God is with us in the highs and in the lows. And we're about to see one of those low moments in Elijah's life. So 1 Kings 19 verse one. Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he would killed all the prophets with the sword. So like Ahab comes back from work, say, honey, I'm home. Uh, Jezebel's there. She's the queen. She's the, she's the wife. And is Jezebel a good guy or bad guy? She's a bad guy. She's like a really, really, really bad guy. Like we've already seen some bad guy stuff she's done. If you've been reading along in First Kings, Jezebel's a bad guy, a bad girl. And uh, Ahab comes home and says, let me tell you what happened. We were at, on Mount Carmel. Uh, I, I keep saying Carmel like the candy. It's Carmel. Uh, but but uh, well, we car anyways, I can't, what am I saying? Caramel? I can't pronounce it. It means the garden of the Lord, and it's the mountain where. So Ahab gets home, and he says, uh, guess what happened? There was, we were on the mountain. Elijah called down fire, and fire came. And it, it licked up the, the altar and even the stones and the burnt offering. And all the people fell down and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And you would think, like maybe Elijah's thinking, because he went to the capital, that Ahab and uh, Jezebel are about to, you know, their hearts are about to be uh, softened. And they're like, wow, you were there when the fire fell? Yeah, I saw it. You saw it? Yeah, I saw it. And this, this conversation between king and queen, husband and wife, you would think that like Jezebel would then be like, really? Like God showed up? God is real and all the prophets are now destroyed? Like, wow. You would think that maybe she would relent. You would think that maybe the people uh, would revolt and say, we're no longer gonna follow Baal and that you Jezebel or you Ahab, but, but instead this happens. The next sentence is this. 
It says, so Jezebel sent a death threat. She sent a messenger to Elijah to, this, to say, she kind of calls on this, like, uh, this curse. She says, may the gods deal with me ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. So she's saying, I'm gonna kill you because like you killed all the prophets of Baal, I'm gonna kill you. Verse three says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. We're about to see a very bad day. So I don't know, the timeline here, it's not specific enough to know, but it seems like this is like next day. This is maybe week of, right after Elijah has the best day ever, he is about to have a worst day ever. And a lot of it is in his mind because I mean, you think about like what's happening here. It's just some crazy lady sending him a death threat. He has dealt with much worse than that. And here is this, this incident that, that takes him into a very deep depression, into a very dark day for Elijah. If you had a bad day in your life, I could think of some bad days in my life. Um, thinking about some of them this, this week, I was just like, Man, I was there the day at New Life North years ago, and I've talked to some of you who were there as well, where there was a shooting, where people, where this man, Matthew Murray, came into our building at New Life North, and he killed people. He shot a bunch of people, and two girls that I knew, they died. I was there that day. That was a very dark day for our church and for my own life. Uh, I was thinking about the day my friend died. He was on a motorcycle, and I told this story not too long ago. His missionary in Nepal and died instantly. In, in a motorcycle accident. That was a very dark and hard day. I think about the day before we launched this church, New Life Manitou, the day before the Easter that we launched. My mom, who's here now, was in the hospital and we had no idea what was wrong. It would, it would start a journey of months and months. How long it was in the hospital? We had no idea what was wrong. She's unconscious and uh, the doctor said, She's, she might not be with us anymore. I mean, talk about a dark day that led to a dark season. There have been in this room many dark days. A very hard question is, what's the worst day of your life? I mean, talk about a Debbie Downer of a question. Um, But this, what's interesting in Elijah's life, like these days are maybe a day apart, like this, this, maybe the same week where Elijah has this high and then this low. So here, he runs for his life, we're in verse three, uh, and he's going to run about 100 miles south to Beersheba and Judah when he got there. says he left his servant there, And uh, verse four, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Have you been there? Have you been under uh, a broom brush uh, of your life, like, have you been terrified and exhausted and alone and, and struggling with uh, a mental anxiety, depression? Like here's Elijah, and you think about like, what, what are the events that, that got him there? Was it, was it really just this note from this mean queen that says, I'm gonna kill you? It, it seems like, it seems like in, in our lives, like there's different things that, that set off something like this. And, and that's kind of how mental illness often works like the like something will set it off and it's like well that thing you know you've dealt with much harder situations but here you are really struggling with with mental health anxiety 
depression. We're, we're gonna, we're, that's one of the themes today of this message. And it's, it's kind of like, I hope you brought some soap today because we're, we're gonna get kind of messy. Like, uh, does anybody know what Gojo is? Anybody? A couple of people, yeah, I've heard of Gojo. Not Mojo. Gojo is this soap with like grit in it, with actual sand in it. It's what mechanics use to wash their hands. And, and I'm no mechanic, but I do work a lot on our cars when they break. And I've done some bigger jobs like a, a head gasket. So if any of you know, head gasket is what connects the top engine from the bottom part of the engine. And to get to that head gasket, you gotta do a deep dive. Today we're doing a deep dive in some pretty messy stuff and the point is to, to get to a place where we could talk about it and talk about where the Lord is and talk about, well, what's the solution here and talk about fixing and talk about the Lord fixing and his provision. And even if the Lord doesn't fix in the way that you think he will, we talk about the Lord's sovereignty, how he is, to, how he is good and how he is God. We're doing a deep dive and, and more about this. You know, we have a ministry at New Life North uh, on Tuesdays that uh, it ta- there's like a help for addictions there's help for uh, grief. There's helps for different sorts of ministries, uh, support groups of all different kinds. If you look online, you're just like, I'm struggling in this area of my life enough to, to name it and to say it. There's ministries. And in Manitou, we have a ministry here called Sound Minds. And so Sound Minds, is, it just started. We meet on the first and the fourth month. Uh, first, excuse me, the first and fourth Monday of the month. Second and fourth, sorry, it's on the screen, so I don't get it wrong. Uh, second and fourth uh, Mondays, and, and, and started in October. We've been doing this now uh, a little while. We've been having meetings. It's, it's in one part a Bible study, one part uh, a support group, one part um, a discussion group about different topics within mental health, and, and you all have come. And, and so I hope you will continue to seek help in these areas as I'm bringing this up this is not just something we mention and talk about. This is something we're gonna deep dive into and even get our hands dirty this morning as we open the text of scripture. But Elijah is in this place. Like this isn't a cute story. This is Elijah wants his life to be taken. He knows he, he's, he's not in a place to, suicide It's not an option for, for believers. We know God is sovereign. But he's asking the Lord, God, would you take my life? He goes off away from his servant to die and for no one to find his body. This is not a cute part of the Bible. This is not a happy story. Elijah is in a dark place. Let me keep reading. All at once, the the Lord is gonna come. The Lord is gonna provide. All at once, an angel. The Lord provides an angel, touches him, says, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jug of water. He ate and he drank and then he lay down again. Brady Boyd, the, the senior pastor of all the congregations, uh, has this quote. I was going to put it on the board, but I thought it would be a little too silly. Brady Boyd uh, said, never underestimate the power of a snack. <laughs> what a funny thing to say. Uh, but here's Elijah. What does the angel do? Two things. Touches him, and then what? Gives him, gives him a snack. Thank you. Makes him some food. And so I, I think you know, a lot of times angels appear in the Bible. Sometimes they appear, good tidings I bring you, or do not be afraid, or angels uh, appear. In this situation, the angel does not say, do not be afraid. The angel does not say, repent, the kingdom of God is near. The angel does not say, good, good tidings I bring to you. The angel does not say, Elijah, do you want to talk about it? What does the angel do? The angel touches him and makes him some food. And maybe this is just a word for me, but... But oftentimes as a pastor, 
uh, I hear about things going on in, in our lives, friends, family, this congregation, and I will tell you that I have no idea what to do. Like, I have none. Like, I, I, I don't know what to do in this situation. I've never had this situation. You're asking me for advice, and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to tell you. Maybe this is for some of us. So like, you have a friend, you have a family member. You, you, maybe you have someone calling you saying you need to do something for someone else, someone suffering. I don't know what to do. Maybe you know what to do. Maybe all you need to hear this morning is two things. Put your hand on their shoulder and make them some food. Basically, be there with them. Just, just be, like, like care for them. And maybe you don't know what to do, but maybe it's as simple as that. Hand on the shoulder, give them a snack. Maybe that's what they need. Maybe just the presence of, of provision is what they need. So the angel, uh, it, it says, uh, verse seven, the angel of the Lord came back a second time. And what? Same thing again. Touches him. This time says, get up, eat, for the journey is too much for you. He's basically telling Elijah, take care of yourself. Eat something because there's a long journey ahead of you. And some of you, I'm gonna come back to this point in a minute, but some of you may be, like up against something and the journey is too great for you and you need to know that the Lord is gonna provide. The Lord's gonna give you his provision. The angel tells Elijah, eat something because there's gonna be a great journey. Healthiness, rest, eating right, working out, spiritual disciplines, taking care of your physical body. These are all really good things. Here's a good quote. Self-care is never a selfish act. It's good stewardship of the one gift you have. So uh, the angel tells Elijah, eat something. The journey is great. He then goes another 180 miles south to this place. So verse eight says, so he got up, ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights. It's a number that sounds familiar, right? It's a very Moses kind of number. Moses goes to a mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Here, Elijah's traveling to a mountain 40 days and 40 nights. And, says, and it says, until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. You know what another name for Horeb is? Sinai, Sinai. So it's Mount Sinai, it could be Mount Sinai is the region, Horeb's the mountain, could be Horeb's the region, Sinai's the, the actual mountain. Scholars, most scholars would say Horeb and Sinai are the two different names for the same mountain or mountain region. And so here Elijah is gone to this place where Moses was and Moses appeared to God on the, the burning bush, Moses appeared to God and gave him the Ten Commandments. Moses uh, was the one in a cleft, and then God passed by. Here, Elijah is in this very same place. Having gone through a very dark valley in his life, he's wanted for dead. He ends up at this mountain. Verse 9 says, And there went into a cave and spent the night. And so here we are now at the passage that, that I want to bring to our hearts this morning. Would you stand with me now if you're able? And allow me to read this passage where the Lord speaks to Elijah in a still, small voice. It says this, the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? It's like the Lord has been chasing him this whole time. And it's, it's reminiscent in my mind of, of the question God asked Adam. You know, he's, he's looking for Adam as if he doesn't know. Adam, where are you? And, and Adam then responds. Here, here, God already knows the answer to this question. But he asked Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah says this in verse 10. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites, basically the people of God, have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your people to death with the sword. I am the only one left, 
and now they are trying to kill me too. We find out later in this passage that he's not the only one left. He's kind of self-pity and self-loathing, speaking something that isn't actually true. There's a lot of prophets left, and there's a lot of believers left, but that's how he's feeling in this moment. And then the Lord is gonna speak to him. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And there's a couple things here. Then a great, powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in this wind. After the wind, there was a, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, earthquake came a fire, like we, we had just seen a fire in the last chapter, right? Burning up the altar. There came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Some translations might say a thin and quiet voice or a gentle and quiet whisper. One translation says, then Elijah heard the sound of silence. The, the very literal Hebrew is a still, small voice. That's how the Lord spoke here. Verse 13 says, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this story of one of your servants, a superhero in the faith who in this moment is going through a dark time, going through a struggle. But Lord, you, you speak to him. You're with him. You ask him how he is. You sent provision for him. And all along, all through this story, we can see that you are with us in both the highs and the lows. And so, Lord, we thank you. We praise you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said... Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Point number one, I have three points. They'll, they'll be very quick because we spent a lot of time engaging in the story and what God is already doing in the life of Elijah. But the first point is the same as the title. Do you remember the title? God is with us in the highs and lows. So that's point one, and it's also the title. I don't want you leaving here not knowing that that's really, that's, that's what we're talking about here. God is with us in the highs and in the lows. And it's easy to know that he's with us in the high moments of our life, right? Like on the good days, like God is good. He's great. Everything is awesome. It's wonderful. And we just know God's here. God's blessed us. He's, he's all around us. God is good. He's sovereign. It's wonderful. I think about um, some, some of the highs and lows in my life. I've mentioned some of them already. But I remember there was this day leading up to our launch of this church, of New Life Manitou, Years ago, we were going to launch. We, what's, what's funny is we picked the launch date before we had the place, which is kind of a bad move because then I was really struggling to find the place to launch on the date. So we picked April. Uh, we picked Easter Sunday, 2016. Uh, it was Sunday morning. We, were, we, we announced we we're going to launch a church, and then we did everything to try to find a place. We talked to the school. We seemed like they had the school. Then the school didn't work out. We had some other places, other buildings. This building uh, was not available. Uh, other buildings in Manitou were not available. One by one, we, we had no place to meet, and the date is, is approaching, and uh, we, we said, well, maybe we can meet in the city hall, city hall. Uh, we talked to people that represent Manitou, the city hall. They said, no, we won't rent on Sunday mornings. That's not within our hours. We're not going to rent. And so then we, as a church, said, well, maybe we'll change the time. Instead of Sunday morning, Easter, we'll launch Sunday afternoon just to have a place. 
to launch on the date we said we were going to launch on. And so we, we called the city and uh, went through the application process. Uh, they were very nice. And they said, yes, okay, you got it. You got Sunday, Easter Sunday, 4 p.m. You can have it. You can meet in the city hall. And I just remember, like, I think there's something spiritually about, like, gaining new ground and, and obviously about launching a church. But the moment, like, I hung up the phone and they said, you got it. Like, we have this place to rent and we have the time, we have the place. I was just ecstatic. I was so excited. I was thinking about like Psalm 16, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I was thinking Psalm 23, Lord, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. You got your rod and your staff and you're so good. Psalm 119 says, blessed are those whose ways are blameless. That's me. I'm blessed and I'm doing good. I'm doing your work. Psalm 126 says, when the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues were songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. And I was thinking about uh, like Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of oh Lord. His love endures forever. I was just ecstatic. I was thanking the Lord. This is awesome. This is so good. And then about an hour later, an hour of like, yes, God is so good. I got a call from the city who said, hey, uh, about the reservation, uh, one of the city council members kind of overheard. And uh, basically, I forget how they said it. It was, it was diplomatic and it was nice. But basically they said, uh, the city doesn't want a church renting our building. I mean, they didn't say that, but they said that. Like we, we need... Uh, we, we need to put your reservation uh, on hold. It's canceled for now because you need to have, we need to have a city council meeting and the city council needs to vote on whether a church is allowed to rent the building. And you're probably thinking what I'm thinking. That's not fair. Like that, how, what do you mean? We had the reservation. I think like the whole Jerry Seinfeld thing. What do, you, what do you take the reservation for if you're not gonna keep the reservation? And I was, and, and I, it's hard to explain like how sad and, and mad I got about that because I think about Elijah's story and, and it's like, it's just this, this note from this queen that says, I'm gonna kill you. He'd been through worse things. And, and, and I think about like just a phone call saying, hey, we're putting your reservation on pause. But it sent me spiraling into like, Lord, are you even in this? Lord, are you even here? Is this, is this even your will? Like Psalm 40 says, why my soul are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Psalm 42 says, my tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festival throng. But here I am weeping. I think Psalm 6 says, uh, I am worn out from groaning all night long. I fill my bed with tears and my couch with, with weeping. Where are you? God. Psalm 102 says, a prayer of an afflicted person who pours out a lament before the Lord. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me. Where are you? Psalm 44 in the message says, get up, God. 
What are you gonna do, sleep all day? Don't you care about what's happening to me? Psalm 137, one of the saddest psalms, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept, and there we hung up our harps, like we're done singing, but it's there our captors asked us for songs. They said, sing us one of those songs of Zion. And the, the psalm says, how can we sing the songs of our Lord while in a foreign land? I'm gonna forget how to play music. Like the depths of, and I think it was a spiritual battle looking back because we went to the city council meeting and it was nothing but, but, but good things came out of it. Like it made kind of made a news story and we did end up winning the vote. It was five to four. So we were able to meet in the city council and it all ended up working out just fine. But in that moment, it, it was, and you might be thinking that's silly to compare it, but for me, it was like an Elijah moment, a, a time in my own head, in my own head space, it was, it was the depths of doubt and despair. Point two is this. It's, it's what the angel tells Elijah. Maybe some of you need to hear this today. Get up and eat. The journey is too much for you. Get up and eat. The journey is too much for you. And, um, you know, a lot of people in the Bible struggle with really dark days. The Psalms are filled with really dark. You might think, oh, the Christians are nothing but happy. And no, if you look at the text of scripture, you look at the characters in the Bible, you look at even people throughout church history. We, we have some of the writings and some of the journal entries of, of Martin Luther. We have uh, John Wesley. We have Charles Spurgeon who kind of openly in, in letters or in their own journals struggled immensely with very dark days. No psychologist, but many of them, and I would even say Elijah here, seems to be struggling with anxiety and depression. Did you know the stats out today say that one in five adults in America struggle and live with some sort of mental illness? This is, it's, it's all around us. And we're not talking about somebody else. We're not talking about another church. We're talking about like us in here. Like very dark days where we're waiting for the Lord to speak and the Lord in this situation does not speak in the earthquake or in the great wind that tears apart the mountain. And he does not speak in the fire. He doesn't speak on the, on the high days. He, in other words, he doesn't speak at the conferences, the, 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 the concerts and the larger than life events and these wonderful things happening. Maybe he does. And, and during those days, it's easy, I think, to see the Lord. Like, oh, this is such a great day. God is so good. Of course, God's here. Thanks be to the Lord. He's good. He's awesome. I think it's, it's in the dark days that we need to be reminded that the voice of the Lord is often the sound of silence. It's often the sound of, of listening closely for a still, small voice. First Kings 19.7, it's what the angel says, get up and eat, the journey is too much for you. This final point is uh, an invitation. Point number three, it's the wrapping up this sermon here. Come to the table with thanksgiving. And uh, yeah, I made a joke that, uh, you know, Brady Boyd, the, our senior pastor, said, never underestimate the power of a snack. And I, I think that's a pretty fun, funny quote. And then I think about, uh, like, new people coming into church. And if you've never been to church before, thank, thank you so much for coming this morning. Uh, hopefully this wasn't too weird. <laughs> but I often think, like, what is, what is, like, a brand new person with, like, very little to no church context? Think about, like, what's up here. Basically, there's a little snack up here. And I'm not trying to be irreverent about it, but, but up here is, is a little thing of juice and it's a little thing of bread. 
And he's like, what is that for? Why is there snacks up there at the front? Like, what, what is that for? Well, it's, it's for people like Elijah who, who are, have a long journey ahead of them and need to eat. This is the words of the angel. Get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. And maybe the Lord is tapping you on the shoulder as the angel did for Elijah way back when and saying, hey, get up and eat. There's, there's a journey and it's too much for you. But the Lord, is, he has provision for you. And that provision is on this table. And it's, it's a mystery. Like, how is this, how is this snack? Like, what is this? I mean, we can kind of look at it irreverently and just say, it's, oh, it's a plastic cup and there's juice and there's bread. But if we consider the mystery of it, we see that this is the Lord's provision. And there's, there's a journey for many of us that's it's too much. This is too much to bear but the Lord is providing. So would you stand up with me? With, with band, would you come forward? They're gonna lead us in one last song and the communion service, you can come forward and prepare this table. And as we're standing here, would you open your hands if you're okay with that, that, that symbol of needing something from the Lord. Lord, we say that your provision is, is for us, that you are, in a way, preparing us for a journey that, that on our own, this is too much for us. We, we can't do this. But Lord, your provision is here. You care about us as, as you cared about Elijah. You're, you're saying, get up and, and eat. So Lord, we, we come before this table. And I wanna, I wanna say that everyone in here, if the Lord is your God, if Jesus is your Lord, then you can come forward. You don't need to be a member of this church. You can come forward and you can receive. But as you come forward, remember that this is provision for you. And so, Lord, we thank you for these gifts. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. This is the body of Christ for the body of Christ. And would you come now? Would you receive? Worthy of every song we can ever sing Worthy of all the praise we can ever bring Worthy of every breath we can ever breathe We live for you Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who can ever say. Worthy of every breath we can ever breathe, we live for you.
haven't already, go ahead and open your bread and the cup. It always astonishes me how generous the Lord is in the most practical and basic things, where I tend to be very cerebral as a person, like I tend to be in my head a lot. And so the fact that God saw fit to say, you know what, let me give you what you actually need. You don't just need to toughen up and get through it. You don't need to figure things out for yourself. I'm going to take care of you by giving you what you need. And Jesus knew that this journey of life is too much for all of us. He knew that there would be pain, that there would be trouble, that some of us would be tormented. And so instead of us having to figure it out for ourselves, 
Jesus came down and figured it out for us. So as we take the bread, which represents his body, we know that his body was broken for us so that we wouldn't have to stay in our brokenness. We know that his body was broken for us so that we wouldn't have to handle anything on our own. So as we receive the bread and receive Jesus's brokenness, we can receive healing for ourselves. You may take the bread. And as we hold the cup, which represents Jesus's blood, it's, the word says it's the wine of the new covenant. It's a new covenant for us. So all of the, the old covenants we've made of sadness and of despair and of running away and of running into the wilderness and wanting to take our lives, wanting to God to just get us out of trouble. What's brilliant is that Jesus meets us in the wilderness of our despair and says, I have what you need. There isn't only desolation in the wilderness, there's provision in the wilderness of our lives. So as we receive the cup, we can receive a new promise, a new hope, and a new covenant. You may drink. Jesus, thank you that you do not leave us to figure things out for ourselves. Thank you that you knew the journey would be too much for us. So you have met us here in our lives, here on this Sunday morning, November 19th, in whatever wilderness we find ourselves in, and you give us what we need. Lord, I pray that as we go out into our day, into our lives, that we would be strengthened by you, that we would hear you in the still small silences of our day and would receive strength that only you can provide. God, we thank you for taking care of us when we can't take care of ourselves. Thank you that you are with us in the highs and in the lows. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, a couple of announcements as you leave from here. There'll be a prayer team, myself included, down here to pray with you, to pray for you, whatever journey it is you're going through. We would love to share a moment of prayer with you, so come, come forward. If you're new or newish, we would, we would love to give you a gift. It's actually... Uh, a book, a daily uh, devotional by the, our senior pastor over all the congregations, Brady Boyd, who said, never underestimate the power of a snack. That same guy, he wrote a whole book, not about snacks, but a wonderful devotional that's actually full of depth. And our, our family did it over the course of last year. So we have that for you as a gift. You could do a QR code if you wanna just register your visit with us, put as much or as little information about yourself as you would like to give us. Uh, or you could do that on the paper as, as you leave at the welcome table. A couple more things. Uh, this week is Thanksgiving, and there's only a few more Sundays left. What is it, five Sundays till Christmas Sunday, which is uh, Christmas Eve is going to be a Sunday, and just want to let you know that that's one of the Sundays that people will come. People that might not normally come to church might be looking for a church, so tell them we're having church service Christmas Eve at 2 and 4 p.m. in the afternoon, so let them know about that. We're also going to be a part of the Christmas parade in Manitou, we have a float. You might have noticed there's a little trailer out there. We're going to decorate that and try to make it look really good, like Christmassy. And we're going to sing Christmas carols. Our worship band is going to sing Christmas carols through the city. And we are going to hand out 2,000 invitations to our Christmas Eve services. So we want to let you know about that December 9th. 
We need walkers. If you're able to walk and hand out invitations, we're going to get those out. So uh, more information about that to come. There is a sign up in the back. Uh, you, could, you could write your name down. We'll get you more information about when and where to be for the parade and to be a walker for the parade. And then a couple Sundays from now, two Sundays, we'll stay after and we'll staple candy canes to all those invitations just as a way to share love with the city and invite them to the service. So those are kind of your announcements coming up. Let me pray a blessing over you as you go. Would you just hold your hands up? Hold your hands open. Let the Lord be his provision for you. Lord, I pray that that you will watch after us. You will keep us safe. Those of us going through the wilderness, going through a desert, Lord, will be filled with your provision and know that you are with us both in the highs and lows of this life. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.